Thank you for listening to Truth in Life, a concise Christian belief series. This class was taught on a Sunday morning at Christ the Word Church because we believe that God's Word is truth and that His truth should shape our lives. For more information on our church, visit ChristTheWord.com. Heavenly Father, by your Holy Spirit, we, uh, we come to you in the name of your Son, all three in one. We come to you and ask for your help, your power, your intercession. Lord, as we talk about theological things, uh, heavy things, uh, intellectual things, I pray that all of those would bear fruit in action. Uh, Take our depraved intelligence and thoughts and speech that's been sanctified and made right by you. Help us today to honor you in this uh, Christian education time together, I pray. Bless your name and uh, prepare us for worship together corporately. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so today's class is um, a little more heady. Uh, it's on Christian ethics. Has anybody ever heard that term, Christian ethics, together? You've heard Christian, you've heard ethics. Have you heard the term Christian ethics? I don't think I had until I prepped this class. So um, there's the the question to kind of get you engaged. So this is our fourth week right? You've had three weeks, uh, some good, good classes, some bad, as a, as a teaser. So how, how many of you know my wife, Allison? Oh, she loves this. She's smiling and inside there's, <laughs> she's taking notes right now. <laughs> and so if you know my wife, you have to have a conversion factor, you know, in, in mathematics, you have to have a, a, a factor, a, you know, to, uh, maybe it's a measuring cup how to convert, you know, metric to whatever. So for me, I have to have a conversion factor uh, as a husband to know what she's saying. And it's how God designed it. I love my wife. I love that she's different from me. So one of the tips I got was uh, when you're doing the Sunday school class, have your wife, especially during the first six weeks, give you constructive feedback. Okay. Very good thing. So we did this, and uh, so I got feedback. So if you know my wife, my wife is my biggest defender. She doesn't want to see me hurt. And so there's this conversion factor. When she says something, I got to, like, take it over here to to understand what what she's saying. Again, not a flaw in her. Um, So... Knowing this about my wife, I asked her, so, okay, laid on me, last class, how'd it go? I didn't particularly think it went well, but the speaker is usually the last person you should ask. So she sits there and there's about a three sec- five second or an eternal pause, <laughs> felt like an eternity. She goes, well, it was okay. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, <laughs> all right, we agree. <laughs> 
So there's that slide scale of uh, great could mean any level of good, right? You know, and okay can, okay is an F. So uh, I'm, I'm trying here. Um, all right. Thank you. Thanks for your feedback. Um, so Christian ethics. So the first four weeks, what have you taken out of the learning? This isn't a rehashing. I'm at, this is an application of this lesson. And I'll tell you why. What has all our collective work... Remember, I'm slaving to, to try to help you all, right? You should feel bad for me, right? It's, I want that. What have you gotten out of the last three weeks? What have you done differently after the last three weeks? You're looking at me. You made eye contact. You're the winner. What has been different? And you get to pick on the next person who gets the answer, by the way. Um, Speak up so people in the back can hear, if you would. I would say, like, it's just, I think in the heaven and how, like, and eternity, it's just, like, a good reminder that our days are, like, this is actually, like, short. Mm -hmm. It's not, and it's not, um, like, what you do in a day actually does matter. So, I've been more aware with what I do with my time okay. like, throughout the week. Good. So, his answer was thinking more about heaven and hell, eternity, what he does with his time, that this life is short. Making, uh, making do with the time that you got now. Okay, anybody else? What have you taken out of the learning? Everybody hear me okay? Okay. Um, Nathan? One thing I think that's impacted me is that I've just been, you know, you talked a lot, especially the first three weeks, about the surprise, like you almost like we'll be there. And I think um, in recent years, struggling with assurance of salvation has not been a huge struggle for me, but which in some ways is good, but I think that in a lot of other ways, I think it's like I've been taking it for granted and just like just kind of going along like assuming like, oh, you know, not everything about the reality that like there is a heaven, there is a hell. And, you know, I think it's been good because kind of like you were saying, like, what do I do with my time? And, and like just having this this healthy fear of, of God and the punishment of hell, like, oh, I really can't. I'm a Christian, but like, I really need to be using my time to glorify God because I don't want to be surprised someday when it's like, oh, you, you know, you thought you knew me. You did everything right. You went to church. You lived in all these ways. Oh, you know, but you never knew me. And okay. just having that reality, not that I want to struggle with assurance of salvation, but that I really do need to be speaking on the struggle with assurance of Okay, thank you. Thank you. Um, and just a, a revelation of a secret here. <laughs> that is one of the things I hope you do. I'll probably be brought before the elder boards for this, but for some of you, I actually do want you to question. <laughs> I do want you to question. Some of you, I do. Um, because Scripture, has, there are, God has given us many of His words that cause us to ponder now and not be so sure. Uh, 
to make sure what your hope is. So again, that, as I said yesterday in the men's conference, there's lots of things I want to say to you that won't sell books, you know, because there's things that people don't want to hear, but uh, we got to hear them. Remember, this is a class not where, purposefully, I don't design this for you to memorize anything. My goal for all of you is actually to leave class a little bit frustrated because I haven't given you the answer. I give you the answer, typically that doesn't stick with you and it doesn't change your Christian ethics. I'm getting there. It's a long runway, but I'm getting there. It doesn't stick with you and it doesn't change how we live. So one of the things my approach is to get you to wrestle with certain things out of this class, wrestle with God, wrestle with the truth. Um, those are things that typically have profound influence um, on your life. So Christian ethics, anybody want to take a stab at what it is? All those who want to give an answer, keep your hands down. Oh, perfect. <laughs> you all want to. Uh, anybody? Over there. Christian Nope, just what they have to come together. Well, then we're going to go a different route. One, because if you parse them out, they don't, they don't work. Christian ethics is a distinct thing. Christian ethics is simply, you have the knowledge now, what do you do based upon that knowledge? That's the very rudimentary, non-scholarly way, but in application, that's what it is. And, and I'm glad actually you said that, because if you just focus on ethics, you think of mores, morals, a set of principles. In Christian ethics, it is, a, it is a, a practice and study of, okay, I have the knowledge, what do I do with this? Well, how, you live your life, so how then shall we live? Right. So, um, again, this is a class. We're really only going to hit a couple principles. There are some theological terms I want us wrestling and interacting with, not just to develop our brains, though that's what I do want us to do, but how do we rightly approach what we do with it, okay? So, this is a wrestling match. All right, so specifically we're going to cover um, uh, really reasons why we do what we do. So motivations, think Christ's lordship, uh, very specific reasons why we do good works. Um, God and Christian ethics, we've just summarized that. Ethical judgments. So I'll give a couple principles on that that I think are helpful. Uh, when we're at impasses or don't know what to do. Ethical disciplines, and if we have time, an ethical life. It's kind of a practical wrap-up. Okay. So this, uh, this last couple weeks, last few weeks, I've been reading with the family through Isaiah. And Isaiah, uh, the middle of the book, is really about the judgment, God's judgments through the prophets against certain people around the land of God's people, including God's people. And there's, there's one verse that, that kept coming up, and uh, forgive me, I forgot it, 
but it's a, it's a re refrain. It's a, it's a uh, I'm going to take one minute to, I sh should have had this ready. Mary, do you remember it? Yeah. Hold on, just hold on. Don't go anywhere. This is one of my things I wanted to make sure I had with me. All right. I'm not immediately finding it. Allison, can you look it up? Um, but it's... It's this refrain from, from the people. It says, here a little, there a little. You can hear it kind of like singing. And it's kind of this rote, rote refrain. And the whole, the whole point behind it is God's people, yeah, 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 the word of God, the word of God, the word of God. I got it. I can actually summarize it back to you. Here a little, here a little, there a little. Now it's, uh, where is it? Where is it? There it says order on order. Can't see it. Oh, there you go. Order on order, order on order. So this is the direct quote, and it's twice that they do this in chapter 28. Uh, line on line, here a little, there a little. So it's this ditty that goes on. Thank you. The one we've been reading for his precept chapter. Yeah. So it says it twice. My point is, it's God's people saying, repeating scripture in kind of this mocking way. Yeah, here, 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 here. We get it. We get it. We get it. And uh, why am I why am I going through this? It's it's again. It's the it's the constant concern with God's people not to take the word of God lightly. Our study in small group today. Remember, beginning of the chapter two. If you've prepped it, be careful to take heed. And. So God's judgment is on his people for not being very careful to, to heed God's word. Um, one more story. So about three years ago, um, got a phone call that uh, my mom and dad were in the hospital, both of them. All right, some of you know them. And... Uh, over the previous three days, my mom kept falling. And um, just no appetite and was falling asleep all this time. Just, just throughout the day, just not normal. My dad was relatively fine, but he also didn't have much of an appetite. And he was also sleeping a lot. My sister, I think it was, my, my sister stopped by to see him. And uh, she ended up taking them to the hospital. Well, it turns out they were very, very close to succumbing to carbon monoxide poisoning uh, over three days. Uh, the water heater, the vent hadn't, uh, it somehow got clogged by, I think, um, a bird's nest or something like that. But they had no idea 
no idea, not even to question anything. So they had to go through whatever the process of detoxification, whatever it is. Um, the Christian who has the Word of God so readily available, these warnings about taking lightly the Word of God and not holding it up carefully, both the positive and the negative. If we don't keep guard of this, it'll slowly, will slowly start drifting away. And like carbon monoxide, you won't even detect it. You won't know it until you see start of the symptoms, but you have no reason to believe there's an issue. And that's one of the things I'm particularly concerned with the American church. I am particularly concerned about Christ the Word. It's always something, as a good father will do, is make sure you're always admonishing people you have under your care. Pay attention. <laughs> it still bothers me as I think about just the talks about hell that some of us really weren't engaged in that, that talk. I, I don't know why. I mean, I can see from, from feedback, you tell me a lot more than you think, that this is something that doesn't grip you. And you know my personality well enough to know that I actually do want you to like me, but more important than anything, after this six weeks, I want you to remember this. So, like my dad did, when the Word of God is spoken, everything else shuts down. Every thought, every other temptation, take heed to the Word of God. It is like carbon monoxide. You don't even know that it's happening. That's why God says, be very careful to do what I say, to heed my Word. Christian ethics, what we know, translated into what we do. So, Christ's lordship. This is one of the first parts we want to talk about, his, uh, his reign over us. So, um, you've been through a lot of these classes. John Frame, this big book here, is a lot of what we're using, the systematic uh, theology very good. A lot of, um, especially the theological stuff, has been helped by him. You know that he does things in threes. Remember this from last year? A lot of the stuff we heard comes in threes. It's easier to remember. So how in Christ's Lordship, he, he helps us organize it into three different areas, and these all build on each other. And I'm, thank you for handing out the handout. That This will be a good reference moving forward. So one way he he governs our actions in life is by his control, by his power. He is God. So just a quote there, God plans and rules nature and history so that human acts are conducive to his glory. So his sovereignty, his power, his control. His authority. He has the actual right to expect it. So he speaks to us clearly, and he gives us the norms or the standards 
that govern our behavior. Again. And then by his presence, his, his eternal presence, he commits himself to, be with, himself to be with us in our ethical walk, blessing our obedience, punishing our disobedience. So, again, taking a real high view to kind of categorize um, Christ's lordship over how we walk, we have those. And that is in your handout, right? I haven't looked at it in a couple weeks. Okay, so now I'm going to ask you to interact with me. Who's heard of the virtuous pagan thought? I didn't know it of this name. It has a different name. Anybody heard of this? Anybody willing to take a stab? Annette? Exactly. A moral person or someone who does great acts who is not a Christian. Any of you ever been troubled by this? Bothered by this? <laughs> Anybody want to tell me about it? Come on, please. Yes, ma'am. So what's the question? You said there's a question that looms, and that's what you're all... Okay. There's a corollary question to that, too. <laughs> so spot on, I'm, that's a perfect setup. What's the corollary or the uh, kind of natural extension of that question? So yours was, why is this friend who's doing great acts, why is he or she going to hell? Okay, what's, what's the corollary? Yes. Why has God not made himself known to him? I like that. In the back, Erica. <laughs> okay, and you know, you know me by now. What's another further extension? That's very good. Kevin? Okay. Gary? You are uh, well on the way to uh, the solution. That's, that's awesome. Hold on to what he said, because that's, that's very helpful. Is there not one more? We, most of them have been focused on the pagan person. <laughs> there's this conundrum. There's this tension. 
my axe, my axe, stink. <laughs> I look at my neighbor and I say, you know, you know, down in the south, um, in, especially in Louisiana, more of a Cajun culture, that very specific about you do anything you can to help out your brother, <laughs> your neighbor. Like you will like take time off of work days at a time. I mean, it's always struck me as odd. A lot of times in the country, more rural areas, that's the place that's also modeled. Where, I, where we live, like our neighbors are absolutely awesome. Like they do things that, uh, how many times have we talked about this? Like, and it, so this, this question comes up. Yes, what's their soul's condition? And then it should immediately say, well, what's, what's mine? Because I don't do that. I don't serve other people like that. Um, so very good interaction. I think this is important. Gary, you're getting to the heart of it very quickly. Um, so uh, uh, Dominic, would you read this out loud? I think that this is important. So this is from the Westminster Confession of Faith. I think this is helpful to, uh, uh, as Gary did, to start interacting with how God views acts, and then we'll re-engage. Would you, Dominic? they produce not from a, from a heart purified by faith, nor are done in a right manner according to the word, nor to the right end, the glory of God, they are therefore sinful and cannot please God or make a man meet to receive grace from God, and yet their neglect of them is more sinful and displeasing unto God. So what strikes you about that? I think that's a very helpful summary. Younger people, so that's open to anybody who wanted to claim that. What strikes you about that? Seems unfair that one act done by a particular person can please God, but the same act done by a different person cannot please God. The very same ostensible or visible act is pleased, pleasing, and one isn't. Does this remind you of any example we have in the Old Testament story early on? Cain and Abel, right? Um, so I think, did you use the word fair, unfair? Right. <laughs> that is a, that's a strange strange word for the christian what is fair what is not fair again very important why we look at christian ethics anybody frustrated yet or do i have more work to do <laughs> like the, these this is to engage our thoughts um you know i think what i also want to introduce is this this idea belief that i think most people fall into one of the two camps and i'm not talking about communion <laughs> infused but it's really how we view god's work of 
righteousness through us. So there's really two camps, and it's really embodied. This is why our sessions build on each other, and Scripture was chosen. Remember in the first two modules, we talked about the Day of Judgment, where it says, why am I allowed to come in, and why am I not allowed to come in? It has to do with this whole point of righteous acts. What does infused righteousness mean? Or we can go the opposite. If you, what's imputed? I can't hear you. I'm sorry. Which which one is that? No, I mean which which category? Which infused? Imputed. Yeah. So imputed. It's put to your credit. You didn't actually do it, but it's imputed. Uh, it's a financial term, often with debt, having to do with debt. You didn't pay the debt, but you're imputed credit to it. You didn't do it. Right? We're solid on that one. We're good Christians. We understand that one. Good. Now let's test it. What's infused? So he's, he's basically saying, I'm going to pull it back a little bit. It's basically God puts kind of this starter righteousness in you that works with your, already your good works, and that together makes you worthy. Okay? And attributable, most commonly understood to the Roman Catholics. Remember, I've said before, anytime we hear Roman Catholics... <laughs> We've got to quickly start thinking about ourselves. That's really at the tension of the, the righteous pagan. It is this view, as we see it, of what acts are accepted by God as righteous. And that's why it's helpful you said fair. Remember to hold on to the Word of God always remember when it comes to these things it's how God defines it and it often doesn't feel good because we haven't been able to understand it that's why we're to wrestle with it I still to this day have to it doesn't immediately come to me when I see my neighbor doing more righteous acts than me to some degree, should provoke me to good works. <laughs> but um, it also reminds me, what is my hope? Is my hope actually in a sneaky manner like carbon monoxide that I actually think and put my assurance in that day that, well, this is actually the best evidence that I lived for you, Lord. Didn't I do these things in your name? And of course, we do this. Anybody here thinking I'm denying that, I'm not denying it. But it is uh, 
it is a it is a striking thing as as we think about the day of judgment how the claim of the christian has nothing to do with what they did it is exclusively the the atonement work of jesus christ julius you look like you want to say something are you are you wanting to say something good good <laughs> good what are you spinning about it'll be helpful to know what you're wrestling with And we, we do know in the accounts of the saints in heaven, we do know there's an accumulation of good works, of righteous works that were, are a part of it. So it is, it is what just, it is the whole, the whole point of this is about what are you looking to justify. So again, think about as a Christian, that carbon monoxide, these things that allow us to get in, we don't even know that's causing us to drift away. That's why I'm grateful for the timing of today's small group lesson, be very careful now to hold on to what, what I taught you. Gary. Thank you. Ching? The, the scripture reminds us that we were saved unto good works that he prepared for us to do. Mm -hmm. So it's not even that the good works that we're doing are something in of ourselves, but they're works that God prepared for us to do so that we could do them. You know, like he, he touched on being a servant. This, this yeah. is what you're supposed to be doing. Not a virtue to add to your collection. Right. In, in God's economy and how things work out, my, it, my experience and what I've heard from others is this whole idea of good works of the Christian, there's no doubt they're there, but it's almost as if it's hidden by God to the Christian or somewhat obscured. You know, 
Do you look back at your life? Did you look back at yesterday and at any point did you say, huh, I did something pretty good there. I'm not saying it didn't happen. But isn't it harder to remember that? <laughs> you know, how about, did you, have you ever pur- purposed, I'm going to, today, it's 6 o'clock in the morning, okay, I'm going to do this. I haven't done this, I should do it, I need to do this, this is a good thing, you know, specifically a good work you're trying to do. I'm going to do that. Has anybody started a morning like that? 3% of you. <laughs> 5, 7, 10. <laughs> oh, how's this going? Is it okay? Okay. <laughs> how, how are you saying? Is it good? <laughs> Come on. I need your affirmation. Um, how did it go for you? Huh? Did you, okay. <laughs> yeah. I find this principle that when I purpose to do good, it doesn't work. I should quote that, right? Who said that? Paul. I find, why did God do this? Why did God do that, that he put that principle, that truth? That's why he put the law in. I find that when I go to do this, I don't do it. Okay, so we haven't remedied anything, but you're thinking, right? You're thinking. I can see it. Okay, I got, I need to move on. I want to leave you with a couple things. Um, so again, frame gives us uh, some, three, some, some categories of three things, ingredients necessary for pleasing, pleasing God, and this helps us further think about the, the uh, virtuous pagan uh, scenario. So a heart purified by faith. That's requisite. Obedience to God's word or the right standard and to the glory of God. So I think these are helpful diagnostic tools. Are we doing things pleasing to God? You know, is it by by true faith in him? Is it by his standard for his glory? Um, you have, this is why the handout's helpful. It's, some, it's a resource for later. I want to get to um, frameworks. Not John Frame. Ways in which we make decisions. All right, so some theological terms. Teleological ethic. So think about when you make a decision in your life. There's going to be three of them here. There's, there's three popular frameworks I think are very helpful. Uh, so the first one is this. This is one that's uh, it's a perspective where your decision is made based upon the consequences. So have you in your Christian walk made a decision, for the most part, based upon the consequences. I think we've all been there, right? Right? And, I'm not, and none of these are good or bad. 
They're just typically how, how we frame them. Um, deontological ethic. Again, big word. Deon is it's basically Greek for, I think, duty. So your decision is based upon some sort of standard. Uh, I need to do this because of this. Not necessarily the consequences, but I need to do it because this is the law, this is the rule, God said this. Make sense so far? We good? And then now we have really big, and I need to say this with an English accent because it sounds cool and I sound smart, which I'll need help with. <laughs> Existential. So you've probably heard this word before. It's like the word complementarian. I still don't know what it means. Am I for it? Am I against it? <laughs> So when you think of existential, you think about who you are, your being, its purpose. So let's use an example. Uh, speed limit is 50 miles per hour. Okay, you're driving. You are driving your friend to the hospital, <laughs> 50 miles per hour, right? This is a silly one, and there's no right or wrong. What do you do? You're, gonna, you're going to betray your duty? You're supposed to obey all civic laws, right? I probably won't use this example when the Baileys are here. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. I can't hear you. I'm sorry. Yeah. Okay. Now, but what about the teleological? What's the consequences? Your friend is bleeding fairly significantly. You don't know the extent. Is that a... Yeah, Kevin? Right, but you obeyed the law. Because that's also the other thing that we haven't thought about. We expand out. That could be causing harm to other people. One time, Kevin Clark, my brother-in-law, this is at the old uh, SDA. I'll get to you in one second, Gary. And before evening worship, he's just bent over in pain, like screaming. Oh, <laughs> So literally picked him up. Yeah, I opened up the door first, threw him into the car, and we go to St. Charles. And I think it's Sylvanian Monroe. It's 9 o'clock. All 98 horsepower of the Honda Civic. We, I blow through. I don't know what's going on. So it was a kidney stone. It was a kidney stone. He was fine. <laughs> he was in pain. 
Okay. So I think that's good kind of wrapping around that. Gary, you had... And what, who is, uh, who is uh, um, in the, in, she's promoted in the Hall of Faith for killing, jail, jail, isn't it? We're going to go with it. You know the story. Uh, committed murder. Okay. It's striking how many of the Christian men in, of old who actually killed people, not in war. All right. So what really uh, my goal in this is I get I get this all the time in decisions that affect families. Often people will go to it's my duty to go to the speed it's my duty to do certain things. It's my duty to send them to certain schooling, whatever. And they put their hopes in all of that with no regard for the overall consequences. Sometimes also we rule by what, are the, what we think are the consequences and we disregard God's law. And these things are built into, and that's what existentialism somewhat does, is it really says what has God created you to do in that time with how he made you. It's kind of an easy out, but... Um, that's, that's part, part of the mechanism of existentialism. So um, we are out of time. Um, you have the reference. Let's close in prayer. Uh, uh, yeah. Thank you for listening to Truth in Life. If you enjoy this series, make sure to subscribe. And remember, this is truth to live by.